0: Da Disney Time podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today are my co-hosts Nelson, hello, and Rissa. Hello. How's it going today, guys?
2: Good. Doing all right.
1: All right. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Disneyfication of fairy tales. So this is part one of a a series that, Nelson, you had an idea for, right?
2: Yeah, I just thought of this as a topic that we could definitely try to do because there's just so many. Disney takes a bunch of original stories and then they add their own twist to it so I figured good topics would be to try and compare the original versus what Disney did with it so
1: yeah so we're gonna be taking that idea and running with it and today we're gonna start with fairy tales and the first two fairy tales we're gonna be looking at would be Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Cinderella so Snow White was the first full-length feature film that Walt Disney Studios made the animation studios did and then cinderella is their 1950 animated film so let's dig into snow white and rissa you did a bunch of research on these too so what do you recall from the original like source material from snow white
0: um so we can start out with a summary all right so for snow white in this story a queen wishes she has a daughter with skin white as snow lips as red as blood, and hair as black as night, while sewing during a winter snowfall. She then later gives birth to a baby that she names Snow White, but unfortunately she dies during childbirth. Years later, the king remarries, this time it's a woman, that is vain, wicked, and who also practices witchcraft. She has a magic mirror that feeds her vanity until one day the mirror tells her that Snow White is the fairest. Through her jealousy, she plots to kill her through multiple attempts. Eventually, she, quote, succeeds by giving Snow White a poison apple that gets lodged in her throat. A prince stumbles upon Snow White lying in the glass coffin and decides to take her to a final resting place. During the trip, the apple gets dislodged and she awakens. The prince then marries Snow White, but at the wedding, the evil queen shows up. The prince recognizes the queen as a threat and orders that she wear a pair of red hot iron slippers and that she dance until she drops dead
1: so yeah this was from the brothers Grimm. is that correct
0: yes this is the Grimm version that's what disney walt disney himself based the animation off of
1: okay so i mean there's quite a bit that of the source material that they could have drawn from so let's take a look at some of the differences that we see from the story versus what disney did with it so first we have from the Grimm version, the evil queen demands the lungs and liver of Snow White from the huntsman, which she's going to eat to become as beautiful as Snow White. The huntsman reluctantly lets her go after she begs for mercy, and he uses lungs and liver of a wild boar. And in the Disney change, the evil queen asks for Snow White's heart in a jeweled box. The huntsman, racked with grief, begs for forgiveness and lets her go using the heart of a pig to fool the queen. What's your thought on this, Rissa?
0: Well, it's really, really close between the original and the Disney change, but it seems like Disney kind of softened it a bit rather than having the evil queen consume a heart and liver. It was more of just to have the heart in a box and put away somewhere. And he makes the huntsman have a change of heart rather than feeling grief because Snow White begged for forgiveness or begged for mercy.
1: What do you think about this change here, Nelson?
2: Well, even the Disney version is still pretty gruesome, <laughs> if you think about yeah. it. I mean, just carving out someone's heart to put in a box. Like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm kind of just like kind of cringing at both because thats uh, they're both pretty graphic.
1: <laughs> I agree, yeah.
2: With the original story, though, apparently with the whole like eating it. I would assume that has something to do with her witchcraft to become as beautiful as Snow White, but oh man, that's uh that's quite the image. <laughs> and I'm glad Disney didn't go down that path.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. They did soften it a bit. She requested it from the huntsman just as like proof in the uh the Disney version, but like wow, the Grimm version it's pretty dark. <laughs> Like eating it as part of a ritual. I don't know. <laughs> That's some horror type of movie if they were to do something like that nowadays. All right. So the next difference we have here is the story version. The queen shows up at the dwarf's cottage with a lace bodice. She ties her up so tightly that Snow White faints. But the dwarves arrive just in time to revive her. The evil queen then tries a poisoned comb dressed as a comb seller, But Snow White is revived again. And Disney, obviously, they left these Attempts out. Marissa, what's your take on leaving these out?
0: I think it makes sense just based on how much cost it would be to try to animate these things. He probably did it for brevity to make the film shorter since it is a children's movie. And also, like I said, for cost because he already had to take multiple loans to create this movie. And it was a huge risk making a feature film that's solely animation. So. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that this was cut.
1: What do you think about them cutting it out of the movie, Nelson?
2: In all honesty, I think it was definitely mostly for simplicity's sake. Since this was an animated feature, I would think that it's still kind of geared towards children. And just to have one primary attempt, like to show one primary attempt at trying to get rid of Snow White would be, it would just make more sense that way. And it's easier to understand and catch. I agree with what Rissa was saying, how, you know, probably is a big part of it had to do with budget, but I also think that it's for simplicity's sake.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I do agree with you guys. It was probably meant to keep it shorter, because if you remember, they have this multi-plane camera that Ub Iwerks came up with, and it was huge, and they used that to add depth to the the cells. It was time-consuming to animate, and... If you saw some of the sketches that, you know, some of the ni- the original animators were working on, it's it's a lot of work to animate these characters. So it definitely saved time and it made the story concise, I think. That's what they were trying to do. All right, so the next difference here, the grim version, the queen fools Snow White by cutting the apple in half and eating one half to prove that it's harmless. She gave Snow White the poison half. The dwarves don't succeed in reviving her, so then they place her in a glass casket. And then in the Disney version, the queen makes a cursed poison apple that will put whoever eats it into the sleeping death that can only be broken by love's first kiss. The queen fakes a heart attack to be brought to the cottage to rest and fools Snow White into biting the poison apple by lying that it grants wishes. So what's your take on this one, Rissa?
0: I think it's an interesting way that Disney made this vehicle because he cut out the previous attempts. So it's really interesting that the only way to break this curse is with love's first kiss, which I don't like. In the original, it I think it's around I don't even know if it it mentions a kiss breaking anything or like marrying somebody. It's just there she's cursed in a sleeping curse. This is a a weird kind of mechanic. It adds that true love's kiss type of aspect so obviously snow white had to fall in love in order for this to work the queen didn't know that so it's a great storytelling vehicle to make it seem like it's hopeless for snow white
1: what's your take on this one nelson
2: well for me the one part that's really confusing is it didn't seem to make any sense why the apple was poisoned at all because i mean in the original story if what made her fall asleep, or was it the poison, or because like like what Risa's synopsis uh, went over? Apparently, a piece of the apple got lodged in her throat, and that's did she suffocate? <laughs> I'm yeah, a that's bit what com- it makes it seem like, right? Like yeah, she choked on I'm, it. <laughs> I'm a bit confused on why the being it being a poison apple in the original story, what that did.
0: I think it's that the, the poison caused it to get lodged in her throat.
1: Oh, oh. so it's okay. a poison to get it stuck in her throat.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. It, it doesn't
0: really <laughs> explain it, but that's how I read it.
2: Okay. Yeah, because that was kind of the only part that I'm kind of scratching my head at. <laughs> so I, was, I was like, was it the poison that makes her fall asleep and whatnot? Because that's how Disney showed it in the movie. And yeah. I also kind of feel that the love's first kiss part being the way to break the spell. I don't understand why there has to be a way to break a spell. If you really wanted someone gone, why do you have a way to reverse it? <laughs> exactly. Right? That was my thought too. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess they wanted to, to add that aspect of the love, like what Rissa was talking about too.
1: Yeah, that was my thought. It's like, you know, do they really need a way to break it? I don't see why they don't just come up with a permanent spell. <laughs> you know, this. You're asleep forever. That's it. No way to break it. But yeah, they had to have a way to to have a happy ending, I guess. So the next device. plot device, yeah, even the Brothers Grimm, you know, like they had a way to break it, too. So
0: yeah, plot device.
1: That brings us to the next part. It has to do with the prince. In the Brothers Grimm version, a prince stumbles upon Snow White while she's lying in the glass coffin during a hunting trip. Whereas in the movie version, Snow White meets the prince early on, falls in love with him while he overheard her singing at a wishing well. So what do you think about this difference, Rissa?
0: I honestly prefer the original here because Disney basically set up a precedent of unrealistic expectations when it comes to love. And this is kind of followed throughout all of the Disney storytelling until recent movies that we see, where, for example, Moana and Elsa, they don't have love interests, you know, it's more about independent women type of thing. And it's okay to be without a love interest. Whereas in this one, it's like she falls in love with the first guy she meets, you know, which is really weird because they don't even have an interaction at all. It's just him overhearing her and she sees him and thinks he's pretty and they're (laughs) in love, you know? It's reminiscent of Ariel and Eric, you know? Yes, yeah,
1: very much so. What's your take on this, Nelson?
2: I had a similar feeling with regards to how, I mean, and this kind of started it all too, because there was this theme throughout Disney movies that did set unrealistic expectations when it comes to falling in love. And I love how, like, say, Frozen kind of, Made fun of it
0: in a sense. Yeah. At the
2: very start.
0: With Anna With and Anna Hans. Anna and
2: Hans. Yeah, exactly. So, but I'm glad that they became kind of self aware of that and were trying to fix that per se. But obviously, this was Disney's first movie. And I guess this was just how a way for him to show like a love story and how even you were saying like to show a happy ending at the end of the movie. So, It's a bit of a a stretch, I think, for definitely, like, unrealistic. But, yeah, it was an attempt for a storytelling element.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you guys there. It's like, you know, they use the prints just to show the happy ending that, hey, things worked out in the end because the true love came and kissed her and she woke up, so...
0: It's more like infatuations kiss though. <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
1: They they're calling it true love, but you're right. It's more of an infatuation type deal here. But I guess that was a sign of the times. I I don't know. I, I feel like back in 1937, even even in the 50s or, or even all the way up through the 80s and <laughs> 90s, you know, they had this kind of idea.
2: Yeah, wasn't like even Snow White, like isn't she only like 14 or something? 16? She's 14. Yeah.
0: yeah, she's the youngest princess.
1: Yeah, and it's like, how do you know what love is? You're a little girl, right? So Yeah,
0: maybe that's why they call it love's first kiss, where it's, you know, puppy dog love or whatever. Okay, okay. Which is essentially infatuation. But it still sets up really unrealistic expectations where you lock eyes and you fall in love, you know?
1: Love at first sight type of deal? Yeah. Or love at first hearing of the singing? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Love at first glance. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, come on, like... Oh, well, that's how people thought all the way up until they started breaking that idea and, you know, trying to catch up with the times, you know? So, yeah, let's look at the next difference here. So, in the original story, while Snow White's being transported by the prince, a servant trips and loses balance. The piece of poisoned apple is dislodged and Snow White is revived. Versus the movie, where it's a year after her apparent death, the prince, from the beginning of the movie learned of the eternal sleep, and then visits the glass coffin. He was sad by her death, and then he kissed her and breaks a spell and takes her to his castle, and they live happily ever after. All right, Rissa, what's your thought on that?
0: Okay, so I very, very much prefer the original because who kisses a corpse after one year? Like, (laughs) seriously? I mean, sure, she's, you know, frozen and sleeping death and whatever, but, like, that's kind of gross, you know? Yeah. Like consent much?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, you really. Know? Really? Like how can she consent to that? No, she can't she doesn't. you just kiss her. Like what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it kind of teaches uh young guys the wrong idea here.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Alright. So uh what are your thoughts on this, Nelson?
2: <laughs> well, let's see. I actually guess I missed the fact that apparently it was a year after.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
2: I don't remember that part. <laughs> well, but, yeah, they
1: don't. They don't actually say like one year later or something like that. Uh, in, in, the like movie. in like in like in Endgame, it scene. says five yeah. years later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just Gosh. move on to the scene where you see her in the the glass.
2: I mean, I, I would have been quote unquote more okay with it if you know they didn't. If I didn't know it was one year, because like you were even just saying just now, it, it seemed like they just cut to that next scene. They didn't say how long it's been. Apparently, right. I just assumed it was like a day or two later or something. <laughs> but man, I mean, it's just one thing to find a body in a glass coffin in the middle of the woods. Like, oh, I know this person and I really like her. I guess I'm going to kiss her. <laughs> what? Why would that run through your mind?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Even if it's a few days, it still doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. You don't go up to a corpse and kiss him on the lips, you know? It's it's just not Right.
1: Yeah, and it's like you know, how do you know that that is the reversal for the curse? I mean, did you, you know? Yeah, I don't. Exactly. I don't like think he, he did. Know. He just wanted he just to kiss her,
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is what <laughs> that would yeah. that would have not been my first thought. I probably would have been crying for <laughs> right, right, and
0: then she goes off and marries a guy.
2: <laughs> oh goodness! Like what? <laughs> yeah, very the, interesting. Logic is at negative uh, ten here. So
0: right.
1: Well, I yeah. Mean, how, how did you take <laughs> this
2: uh, piece of information?
1: Well, for me, I was more wondering how she could survive for a year without eating or drinking anything. You know, <laughs> she's asleep for a year. How how do you stay alive?
0: She's in stasis.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you, you, it keeps you sustained, like the curse does. I guess. Yeah, uh, it seems like eternally.
2: It, it might be like time just froze for her. Yeah, magics. Yeah, yeah magic, I guess that's what the, magic of the witchcraft. Does. Yeah. yeah, sure.
1: It, and then I guess. However long she would be in sleep, she'll stay asleep even after the queen dies or whatever. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I guess so.
1: And then in the original one, it's like she's choked by the apple, but then she doesn't need to breathe to stay alive, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. you know, she's still alive somehow magically.
0: Magic. Magically.
1: That's how magic is.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was my take. Like you guys were saying, it's like, what? How? <laughs> What would possess the prince to just be like, oh, I want to kiss this dead body, you know? Who does that other well, than this guy? Well, if you put it like that, yeah. Creepers.
0: <laughs> Creepers do it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. He got really infatuated. It's like a um, an unhealthy oh, obsession no. or something. Yeah,
2: that, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. unhealthy at that point, if you put it, it that it way. Is.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. All right, so the last difference we have here in the original one, the queen is tortured to death with a pair of red-hot iron slippers made to dance until she drops dead. And in the movie, she dies by accident. She falls.
0: She falls trying to kill the dwarfs.
1: Trying to kill the dwarfs. yeah. Trying to kill the dwarfs. So yeah, what, what do the, you think, Rissa? It's
2: the Risa? Disney signature villain falling to his,
1: his or her oh, death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> falling to the doom. Yeah. What's your thought on that, Rissa?
0: I clearly much prefer the Disney change here. I don't think that would have translated very well on screen especially in front of children to see somebody tortured to death right so yeah this accident it frames how Disney goes forward of how they handle evil people and evil creatures where if you do evil you get punished and this one happened because she was trying to kill somebody so you know she got punished by falling to her death so clearly I prefer the Disney version here.
1: What about you Nelson what do you think about this
2: yeah my first thought was since this is an animated film and I think like I'm even mentioned earlier how it was geared towards younger children yeah showing the original stories version would not have gone well <laughs> I don't think <laughs> so I agree and the Disney version definitely had a better ending and it also showed that you know it wasn't anyone. Like, tried to kill her, per se. It's just, she died accidentally. (laughs) But, and it still shows, you know, at the very end of the day, it's still a happy ending.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So for me, I like that they had the dwarves in there, because they become, like, heroes. You know, they they saved Snow White from the Queen, although they were still sad because she was asleep. But, yeah, it ended up being happy in the end. There is no more enemy, and... They didn't have to show the Queen getting tortured to death. <laughs> so yeah, that was Snow White, the very first full-length feature film that the Walt Disney Company made and released. And obviously we know it was a it was a pretty big success, but back then, you know, it was a big gamble. So what do you think about them coming up with this and doing this as the very first movie? Rissa, what do you think?
0: I think it really is telling of how much... Disney himself, Walt Disney himself valued storytelling and real storytelling because he was really well read as an, you know, an artist. He later on in life made films of like The Jungle Book and Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. And these are all literary works. So it's really interesting that he chose something so fundamental as a children's story by the Brothers Grimm to create his first feature length film. Instead of leaning heavily onto the more whimsical, he went to a more familiar story. So I think it was an intelligent way to approach things because everybody knew the story at that time. And it's really sellable to the banks because it's princesses and princes and magic and all this. So there is a bit of whimsy, but there's still that little edge of, you know, the cautionary tale to tell your children.
1: So what do you think, Nelson? Do you think it was a good move by Disney to come up using uh, this story?
2: Well, overall, I think that just being able to retell these stories in an animated form is... I mean, it's not technically an original idea, but it was a smart move. I don't think anyone else at the time did anything like this, right?
1: Right. Yeah, so, this was just like the first of its kind.
2: Right. And retelling a story, that part is not new but doing it in this new medium is like you were even saying it was a gamble but it definitely paid off in the end and it also pretty much set a new standard and disney's just practically built upon the success and they've practically found the formula for it and i think they do quite well in retelling these stories although i think they are nowadays running out of stories to retell but yeah, set a standard and they're doing well.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, this film itself won a, f- a few Oscars and there was one Oscar where it was the big size Oscar with the seven little tiny Oscars for the dwarves, right? That was a... <laughs> that was yeah, a, it was a
0: special award. Exactly, but yeah.
1: special award, yeah. That's to show that animation can be used as a medium for a full-length feature film because it hadn't been done prior to 1937, you know, that was the first one of its kind. So, you know, it just set that precedent and other studios started doing the same thing. So they set the bar and that was with Snow White. So let's move on to the next story that we're going to be talking about, Cinderella. So Risa, you want to give us a summary here?
0: Yeah. So in the original, this one is actually the Peralt version. There are quite a few different versions of Cinderella. The one that Disney based his story off of was the perrault version so in this summary a wealthy widower has a beautiful daughter of unparalleled kindness and a sweet temper she's forced into servitude by her jealous stepsister and stepmother there's a ball held by a prince that spans two days the daughter wishes to attend the ball and is able to with the help of her fairy godmother on the first night she manages to leave on time on the second night, however, she gets distracted and fails to leave on time, leaving behind a glass slipper and being forced to hide to prevent the guards from finding her. The prince searches throughout the kingdom for her and finally finds her using the glass slipper. They wed and her stepfamily beg for forgiveness. Her stepsisters are allowed to marry handsome noblemen within the prince's court and they all live happily ever after.
1: Wow, okay, so there's a lot, lot of material to dig into here. So, in the Peralt version... The first one we have here, uh, Cinderella, her father's still living, but he's not present in her life. She's also obtained the moniker Cinderella from her stepsisters mocking her. And the Disney changes, Cinderella was her name at birth, and she was orphaned at a young age, and she was left in the custody of Lady Tremaine. So what's your take, Rissa?
0: This is pretty similar. I think the only difference mainly is that... Disney chose to orphan Cinderella to avoid the question of why didn't her dad, you know, step in to stop the teasing and the mocking and whatnot. It's to avoid that bad look of dads can be horrible or absent because he loved being a father himself. So I believe that was to take the edge off of that.
1: All right. So what's your take on this, Nelson?
2: So my first thought was I also kind of remembered back from the live action version of the Disney Cinderella movie. And how they actually made it so the teasing and whatnot, that's where the name Cinderella came from. So I thought like, oh, so in the live action, they kind of went back and try to add something from this original source material. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, I didn't know that. Or rather, I forgot that in the Disney animated movie that that was her name from birth. Yeah, I just thought that was a pretty cool connection. And I guess even how in the original story, the Peralt version, how that was a name to mock her with.
1: Yeah. So for me, I remember hearing the Peralt version where they called her Cinderella because of the cinders from the fire. Mm -hmm. Right, she slept in front of it. Yeah, she slept in front of it. So she would get singed by the cinders and be Cinderella. But like Nelson was saying, her name wasn't Cinderella in the live action. What was it? Was it Ella? Was it? I was, think
0: it was just Ella. Yeah,
1: it was Ella. And then they called her Cinderella because of the, again, the cinders. What I picked out of it was that Disney has the element of jealousy in their retellings. Like in Snow White, it was the queen. She was jealous of Snow White. And now with Cinderella, the stepfamily is jealous because she's technically the heiress to her father's inheritance and stuff. So they were jealous of her and wanted to, you know, control her wealth (laughs) at the beginning. And then they wanted to get even wealthier by marrying into the royal family. So that was my take on that part. So let's look at another difference here. So in the Peralt version, Cinderella has no friends to help her get to the ball and relies solely on the fairy godmother for aid. But the Disney change, they added animal friends like Jack and Gus, who wanted to help her in altering the mother's gown before it was destroyed by Gisela and Anastasia. Only after the gown is ruined does the fairy godmother come in and help her out. So what what do you think, Rissa?
0: I think Disney adding the animal friends kind of shows Cinderella's kindness and her true kindness. I felt like in the live-action version, it didn't need to be as a parent. She didn't need to have the animal friends because of how they're able to emote and show those types of qualities. And they leaned heavily into how she was always turning the other cheek, so to speak, when her stepsisters were mocking her or when Lady Tremaine was, you know, abusing her. So in the animated version, the animal friends kind of helps tell the story quicker than having to rely on just showing her turning the other cheek. And it gives her more of a dimension because when it comes to animals, you need to have pure hearts for them to gravitate towards you. I also like how she doesn't rely fully on the fairy godmother. She attempts, or at least her friends attempt to create her something before she's left in the lurch because there's not enough time to make a new one. So only then does the fairy godmother step in.
1: What's your take on this part, Nelson?
2: So I actually do like the change that Disney made here, primarily just to have something for kids to latch on to. So... In the original story, if there's no friends, like, Cinderella's pretty much by herself and solely relies just on when the fairy godmother steps in to help. Premise, if you read it like that, that kind of sounds a tad plain. Mm. But when you add in little animal friends, I mean, that's something that kids could definitely latch onto. Cinderella has these little friends that she can talk to and help her out, and, you know, they're animated in a pretty cute way, so... Especially how when they introduce Gus. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) and uh, Yeah, so I honestly like how the change that Disney made for this aspect in the movie. And it's just for a way for kids to kind of latch on to this movie, I think.
1: I like the addition of the animals. Because one of the things that Disney's animation was known for was cute animals. You know, Mickey Mouse and he had Goofy and all these other Donald Duck, right? So they're known for drawing cute animals. And in this movie, they had the cute mice and the cute birds helping out Cinderella. And then they threw in Lucifer, the cat, to be like a foil to those animals, right? So they have like a a Tom and Jerry-esque type deal, the cat and mouse thing. But I think they were playing on, you know, the fact that they know how to animate animals and make them human-like. So that was my take on that part. And so the next difference here, in the Peralt version, the ball spans two days. The first ball, the entire court, is entranced by Cinderella, especially the prince. Cinderella remembers to leave before midnight and innocently greets the stepsisters who had not recognized her earlier. The second ball happens the next evening, but Cinderella becomes so enchanted by the prince, she loses track of time and leaves only at the final stroke of midnight, losing one of her glass slippers on the steps of the palace the guards see a simple country girl leave and in the disney version the prince rejects every girl at the ball until he sees cinderella who agrees to dance with him unaware of who he is the two fall in love and go out for a stroll together in the castle gardens as they are about to kiss the clock strikes midnight and then she runs away she gets away before the last stroke of midnight what do you think rissa
0: I think that the Peralt version seems a lot more realistic because it doesn't really mention love. Rather, it mentions infatuation and enchantment and how everybody gets enchanted by her beauty and gets infatuated with how she looks. But I still don't understand how everything except her shoes turn back to what they used to be. They kind of solve that in the live action where the glass slippers are a gift they're not turned into something right whereas in this it was transformed into something so i don't understand why they still retained being glass slippers
1: yeah because in the animated version she had those pink shoes when she had that pink dress it matched and then they turned it into glass so what happened there right yeah what's your take on this part nelson
2: so to answer that Little question, I was just about to say, like it's just the fairy godmother's doing. Like she purposely just let the slipper stay like that. Oh, Oh, why
0: couldn't she just let her be then?
2: (laughs) Just leave her alone. Don't 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 change anything. (laughs) It's for plot.
0: It's for plot. (laughs) Another plot device. She has to be chased. (laughs) So
2: to answer your actual like question though, I do like the original story better. Even though I kind of feel like Span, like, well, I guess it makes sense if you're, you know, royalty, you can can have parties for months if you wanted to, (laughs) I guess. Right? Yeah. And it also shows, you know, it actually takes time and how, you know, they get to talk to each other and just get to, I guess, I would assume, get to know each other. But in the Disney version, it just, obviously, everything just happens all in one night. And again, kind of, if you look back on it nowadays, it's just leading or showing unrealistic expectations when it comes to falling in love you know so i'm really glad that disney nowadays is kind of becoming more with the times (laughs) and but you know back in the day so i guess in the 1950s is when this movie came out this was more accepted and it's just another love story type of deal so i do appreciate what they did but it's still not realistic
1: yeah. Well, besides the fact
2: story. that it, you know, there's a fairy godmother to begin with. <laughs> yeah.
1: Seriously. So yeah, for me the issue is about that the, with the slipper is that somebody was bound to have the same shoe size as Cinderella. I mean, you know, that's why they make standard shoe sizes unless it's like fit fit exactly to her and nobody else can fit it. But I guess that's what the magic's for. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would assume so, unless she had like. Really, really oddly shaped feet than the normal. right,
1: yeah. And it's like formed the, like, to fit only her foot. Like, I don't know, that...
0: maybe it had like a you know, how flip flops have that tongue, uh huh. <laughs> maybe it's just for her big toe, just to go right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it will spot. fit in there, but nobody
1: else's will, <laughs>
0: right? No, I, I don't know. Maybe it like magically moves every time it tries to be put on somebody's, oh, like it'll slide foot. off
1: or something. You won't, it won't actually, yeah. Work. Who knows?
0: Who knows what this godmother did.
1: Did something so that Cinderella would be the only one to fit it. <laughs> all right, so the next part. Let's look at the next difference here. In the parole, the prince tries the slipper on all the women in the kingdom. It fits Cinderella perfectly, and she brings out the other slipper too. The stepfamily beg for forgiveness, and then Cinderella agrees to it. And in the Disney version, Lady Tremaine overhears Cinderella humming the waltz played at the ball, so she looks in the attic bedroom. Cinderella appears just as the Duke is about to leave, but Lady Tremaine trips the footman, causing the slipper to shatter on the floor. Then Cinderella presents the Duke with the other slipper, and then that one fits perfectly on her. What do you think, Rissa?
0: So Disney here spent a lot more time adding tension to the story, which is a little bit of a different take on Disneyfication, because typically with Disneyfication, it's more of making things brighter, making things, you know, fluffier and whatever. But here it's adding Lady Tremaine to be a really big evil character where she locks Cinderella away so she can't go and claim her prize as a true lady that she is. He really takes the time to show this arc and adds more to the climax so that you have a better payoff.
1: Right, right. What about you, Nelson? What's your take on this?
2: So back even for the Disney version where Cinderella whips out the second slipper, it kind of begs the question like where did you, couldn't anyone just whip out a second slipper too <laughs> at that point like how right like, why why would that be the only reason why you would believe her that well she had this other slipper I guess because at the moment right then and there she had it so that'd be way more believable but I don't know that always kind of just was a question for me. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you make a good point because you would assume that this took like months, right? I would think so. So, Yeah,
2: Especially if you're quote unquote testing every woman in the kingdom.
0: Right, and she's supposedly the last house in the kingdom. So if you hear about this for months, you would think that Lady Tremaine would try to cook up something like this for her own kids and then trip the Duke so that she can produce a new glass slipper.
1: I guess she was just... Too proud and thought, Oh yeah, Cinderella'll never get out of the locked door, you know. (laughs) She's not gonna break down the door. So she didn't have to, you know, produce a second slipper or something or think about doing that. But
0: yeah, but like word of mouth, you know, type of thing.
1: Exactly. Be like, Oh, let's prepare the second slipper and something like that.
0: Contingency plans.
1: Right. Yeah. But I guess she was just not thinking about those things. I don't know.
2: Right. I mean, it just seemed like for particularly for the Disney version that, you know, that was their way of resolving the tension, you know, right, like right. Lady Tremaine she purposely wanted to break the shoe so Cinderella wouldn't be able to try it even though they found another woman in the household. For one thing, Lady Tremaine lied <laughs> saying that there wasn't anyone else in the house. So I would think that, you know, she'd get in trouble for that. But I don't think they showed anything as a result of that.
1: Yeah, nothing really happened after that other than uh, Cinderella getting married to the prince. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I agree with you guys. It's like, wouldn't somebody come up with that idea? Create a glass slipper or something to show, hey, we have this, you know, or somebody else in the kingdom because... I'm sure that they would have heard about the search and been telling it to everybody in town, you know, the Duke is coming, the Duke is coming or something.
0: Well, to Disney's defense, maybe they did try it, but it didn't match what the original slipper looked like.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So, like, maybe they tried, but they may maybe made it too fancy looking or not fancy enough or, you know.
1: The other thing I don't really get is that how do you... Not recognize Cinderella by her face.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's kind of like the superhero syndrome. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: they're wearing a costume, so but just
2: from wearing a simple like eye covering for your quote unquote mask, like in The Incredibles, your face is still the same though. Right? Yeah, your shape, how he shape was is the same. Recognize them,
0: or Clark Kent and Superman. R- oh yeah, right. he, the glasses. Like it's literally glasses. <laughs> a pair of glasses is separating him from his true identity. Like, really?
1: It must be the enchantment of the fairy godmother or something. It makes her unrecognizable to people that she already knows. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Maybe she was like all dolled up. They couldn't even tell.
1: Yeah, like, is that Whereas she's like in her
0: scullery outfit and they're like, ugh. (laughs) Right,
1: right, right. They're used to her being a certain way. Yeah. Or even when they're doing the search, he could have narrowed it down if he remembered what she looked like and made a mental picture or something. Oh, she looked like that.
0: Not the brunette. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> not the redhead
1: right you know so you could have made it easier to find her if he had remembered her face
0: <laughs> or her hair color or yeah. anything her you any- know distinguishable yeah. about her
1: other than but you clearly, know oh, i fell in love with this girl okay what does she look clearly like?
0: clearly it's that fact that they don't add that dimension to the prince they don't really focus on his personality and who he is as a guy it's just a vehicle to get the happy ending for the girl
1: right all right, so let's look at the last difference here. So in the Peralt version, Cinderella married the prince as her stepsisters are married to two handsome gentlemen of the royal court. And in the Disney version, the film ends with a now-married prince and Cinderella at their wedding sharing a kiss as they leave. What's your thought, Rissa?
0: So I actually really like Peralt's version here where he touches on... The stepsisters and the stepfamily where Cinderella's true kindness is shown she forgives them for what they did to her throughout her life and shows mercy because that's who she was as a person. So it's nice that even though her sisters were cruel to her, she still forgives them and allows them to marry the gentleman within the prince's court. Whereas with the Disney version, they don't show any punishment or any mercy or anything with the step family. It's just not resolved. It's just Cinderella's whisked away from her old life and now she's in a new life.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, what about you, Nelson? What's your take on this?
2: Yeah, so I kind of touched on it in the last difference where it didn't really resolve anything with the step family. So we're kind of just left hanging like, well, Lady Tremaine seemingly wasn't... Punished it for lying that no one else was in the house. And yeah, it just, the movie kind of just ends so abruptly. Yeah. yeah.
0: They ran out of budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: They, you know, that honestly could have been the reason. But yeah, I like how in the original story, the Peralt version, it reinforced Cinderella's kindness, just built on it, how she forgave her stepfamily and that. Small detail definitely adds more to the story, I feel, and definitely more to Cinderella versus the Disney ending was just so abrupt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just like the kiss and then the end. And then, of course,
2: (laughs) uh, yeah, and then, of course, the unrealistic expectations when it comes to love.
1: (laughs) Of course, of course. It
0: always makes you think of so what happens after the happily ever after? Right.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah. You always think about that after these kind of movies, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And kind of just as a small little joke, a YouTuber known as I forget his actual name, but Paint, he has mm-hmm. this uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he has those musical skits for hap-
0: the After yeah, Ever After. Yeah, After Ever
2: After. They're really funny. They, they are. aren't like canon or anything, but it's definitely entertaining. If you guys haven't seen or heard it, they're really good. Go check them out on YouTube.
1: Yeah, definitely. Those are pretty pretty funny. So yeah, I agree with you guys, having her Forgive, the sisters and the stepmother, shows that she's really a kind person. I like that aspect of the Perrault version. Do you guys think that they left that out of the animated one because they added the animal friends to show that she was kind? What do you think, Rissa? Do you think they did that?
0: Maybe. I also think that it's hard for kids to understand that kind of forgiveness. So maybe they tried to simplify it more for kids and it just wasn't translating to their audience. It kind of brings me back to how they handle story writing when we talked about the docuseries of Frozen, where some things just don't work. So in my mind, they probably storyboarded it the way that it was supposed to be, and it just didn't work. So I'm thinking that it's translated in that way.
1: What do you think, Nelson? You think it's a sign of the times, like 1950, they wouldn't get it, the kids wouldn't understand that?
2: In all honesty, that could be a reason. But I think they just really wanted to focus in on living happily ever after. And it was at the start of Disney's signature princess happy endings type of thing.
1: Right.
0: Well, I think it's also when we're talking about the sign of the times in the 50s and the 30s, the happy ever after for women was getting married.
2: That is true. Ah. It was the
0: definition of success for a woman. Seeing them be single and not have children it was, you know, labeled as being a spinster, being barren or whatever type of thing where it was looked down on. So I think this is kind of telling of how they framed women's success. Instead of having a thriving career, it's more of being married and setting forth to live your life with your prince type of thing.
1: Yeah, they definitely did that with both of those movies there. Yeah, I agree. So we know that Cinderella. They did a couple of live actions before the 2015. Rissa, do you remember the one that they did? It was like like a Roger and Hammerstein one that they had on ABC with Brandy and um, Whoopi Goldberg. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah. So this version, the Disney version, is based off Peralt. If you recall, Into the Woods is another type of... St- storytelling, old fairy tales merging together type of thing. Those were the Brothers Grimm's version. So the Grimm version does have a Cinderella as well. It's a lot different. I think that Roger and Hammerstein mixed both of them together. Okay. Where there's like different aspects of it. So I do like that Broadway version and the way that they casted that movie, very similar to the way that they cast the Broadway show.
1: Definitely, definitely. Do you remember one with, I think they did it with, Lizzie McGuire, what was her name again? <laughs> uh, Hillary Duff. Uh, didn't they have yeah, her? Duff. Didn't they have her with do one with Chad Michael Murray? Didn't they have her do one of those?
0: Yes, they did. I don't remember what it is called. They do a lot of modern day spins on these things. I think there was a Selena Gomez one that was sort of like a dancing one with Drew Seeley. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, and it's and and this is still Disney, right? You know, like they're they're yeah. doing it. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on them, like, doing these as live action, Nelson? No, Multiple in
2: honestly, I <laughs> wasn't even really aware that they, I mean, it's not that surprising that they reenacted this story as, like, kind of source material for other movies, but I can't think of any other movies, personally, that were essentially based off of it. I mean, like, like I said, it, it's not surprising, but I just don't know of any actually, when you guys were talking about it, for whatever reason, it reminded me that like, oh, yeah, Vanessa and Hudges actually did a movie like based on Beauty and the Beast too. Oh, Beastly. Beastly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I don't think it was Disney. No, no, but no, no, it I wasn't. I definitely watched yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I was, uh, it just randomly, I was like, oh, yeah, it was another telling of that story.
0: Yeah, yeah. it kind of touches on what you were saying earlier that it's nothing new where people take old stories and make it into their own type of thing. Right.
1: Yeah, they did that with Snow White and the Huntsman. That was another thing, different studio.
0: Mirror, mirror.
1: Mirror, mirror, yeah. They do that a lot, make them live action. But, you know, they don't have an official live action for Snow White from Disney yet.
0: Not yet. I don't know if they will, though.
2: Yeah, I don't know how well that would translate into a movie nowadays.
1: It'll be interesting. It's kind of spooky. They might do it as a suspense or something.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's so telling that it's spooky because they had to change Snow White's scary adventure, you know?
1: Oh, right, right. The ride at Disney World.
0: Kids were getting too scared.
1: Even the Disneyland one, they kind of toned it down, right?
0: They're working on it while they were.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So
0: I don't know where it's at right now, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that one ends pretty abruptly too. Yeah, supposedly
2: the ending of that ride is supposed to be more happy now.
1: What?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did they add one more panel or something?
1: Oh, great. Okay. Well, we'll, right. we'll
2: get to see it once we finally get to go back
1: home. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully. yeah, definitely. definitely.
0: Hopefully soon. Hopefully we'll see. Soon.
1: All right. So uh, you guys have any thoughts on these movies to close? Rissa, what do you think?
0: Yeah. So these are really classic Disney movies. And if you haven't seen them, you should really go back and watch them with your kids. Maybe screen it first before you watch it because you know your kids better <laughs> than we do or at all actually. So, it's a good thing to go back and relive to listen and watch the golden age of cinema animation through Walt Disney's eyes and even though there's like differences between the original version, if you haven't had a chance to read the original version, we basically got our spark notes from Wikipedia, which is kind of a good source. Later on, we'll touch on some other stories that we were actually able to find the audiobook and the transcription of those. So, that'll be fun to look at, but For these two movies, I think it's really telling of the times. So if you watch it with your kids, you got to do a little bit more education there, talk about consent, talk about how love isn't like that. That's how you can start a conversation about love. But yeah, it's not like that. But I still hope you enjoyed our discussion on these two movies.
1: And Nelson, any closing thoughts?
2: Yeah, so definitely this was the start. Disney as an animation Company animation studios. This was this pretty much their start, and it was just interesting to see and go back on what inspired the original, or rather, what inspired the Disney version. Yeah, it was just a random thought that I had, and you know, turns out we're making a whole series on it. So, (laughs) yeah, I hope (laughs) you guys truly enjoyed actually hearing what the actual Disney movies were based off of. So, yeah, there's be more to look forward to.
1: Definitely, this was the beginnings of Disney making fairy tales into animated movies. And, you know, we're going to be going through them and you're going to see a change, an evolution of how they went through it and they made their own modifications and eventually came up with their own story separate from the source material. So we'll see that later on in some of the later movies. So we'll go through them and then you'll be able to, to hear how they changed from really close to what the source material was to straying away. So, Risa, you want to say something to our listeners to close out the episode?
0: Yeah, before I close, I just want to say, if you guys really enjoyed this, we're thinking of possibly branching past fairy tales to different legends or just book adaptations that Disney has touched. So if you do enjoy this, please let us know so we'll continue this series later on after we've completed the fairy tales. So I just want to thank you for continuing to support us. I thank you for listening to our podcast. We're a small podcast, so we're hoping to grow more. And I hope you're all staying safe out there.
1: And Nelson, anything to close for our listeners?
2: Yeah, thanks, guys, for joining us this week. Again, I hope you found this topic interesting. Again, this was just a random thought that I had and thought it'd be worth talking about. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and hope to talk to you next time.
1: So, yeah, thanks, listeners, for tuning in and for supporting our podcast. If you want to see more of our content, go to our website, disneytimepodcast.com. And on behalf of the other two, I'd like to say, keep your watches, sync to Disney Time. See ya.
2: Bye. Later.